Hello, you are listening to Second City Sermons, a ministry of Second City Church in Midtown Harrisburg. This Epiphany in Lent, we are back in the Gospel of Luke, where we see God revealed in Jesus. As is common for Luke, what we see is the kingdom coming to all, but maybe most often to the unexpected. We'll see Jesus challenge his disciples, the rich young ruler and the proud religious leader, but commend a persistent widow, insist that the children come to him, and reveal that a blind beggar can see him for who he is even better than his own disciples. Finally, we will make our way with Jesus, his disciples, and the crowd around him as he enters Jerusalem on Holy Week long ago. We'd love to meet you, and we hope you'll consider coming and joining with us each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the heart of Midtown Harrisburg. You can find us online at secondcitychurch.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope you enjoy the sermon. God bless. Uh, Lord, uh, the cross is an image that we uh, see uh, all over, uh, certainly in Christian circles. Lord, crosses in this space, crosses around our necks, crosses in our homes, on, on the front of our Bibles. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, tonight that as we focus our attention on the suffering of Jesus upon a cross, Uh, that you might fix our eyes upon this reality. That God willingly would suffer. A willingly hang. A willingly be mocked and spat upon. For us. Um, Now, Lord, um, would the meditations and thoughts and the contemplations of our hearts now in this time be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I started seminary in uh, January of 05. I had taken off the fall from school uh, to learn how to be a structural draftsman to get through seminary. Uh, And a couple of weeks after I started, January in 05, at Covenant Seminary in St. Louis, I got a call from a friend of mine, and she was telling me how she was going to divorce her husband, and um, they were going to separate. He had gotten addicted to painkillers, and uh, their marriage had absolutely fallen apart as a result of that. He and I were in a Bible study together my freshman year at Western Washington University, and we played on a couple intramural soccer teams together. And the next week I learned about a dear family friend, actually somebody who was a little bit younger than I was that I grew up with, who had been raped. And um, maybe you remember this because it was such a significant global event, but the day after Christmas, uh, Boxing Day, uh, December 26th of 2004, there was a 9.3 magnitude earthquake off the western coast of um, Somalia, Uh, sorry, Sumatra in Indonesia. And as a result of the tsunami that was largely 100 feet high, the coastal communities around the Indian Ocean there, in those communities, 230,000 people died because of that event. 230,000 people died. 
So I had just moved across, halfway across the country from Washington State to St. Louis to study theology, which is the study of God, and to study the Bible and uh, counseling and history and languages and all this. Um, and almost immediately after I arrived at seminary, I had one of what is still to this day the darkest spiritual seasons of my life. Um, 2010, you might remember this, my own mother went down to help and some other friends, but 316,000 people died because of the earthquake that happened in Haiti. You all know these statistics. Three million Africans were removed from their homes and forcibly uh, transported and sold across the Atlantic by the British slave trade. Uh, three million individual people made in the image of God. Six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. And some of these numbers are so big and some of these places are so distant and some of these times are so far away that um, they seem to not touch our lives. And yet the reality is, is that each one of us have horrendous stories of suffering in our own lives or the lives of the ones that we love or lives of people that we're connected to. Suffering is never something that's just far off. Um, I said this past Sunday when we were, we were remembering and reenacting the entrance of the crowd with Jesus coming in on Palm Sunday, that all of us know that there's lots of good reasons to say, Hosanna, God, save us, please. Because our families are broken, our hearts ache, our bodies don't function like we know that they are meant to function. Um, our sins persist, our children are lost in miscarriages, and just the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Violence, uh, death, estrangement, abuse, emotional, physical, sexual, um, pandemics, tsunamis, uh, just suffering upon suffering upon suffering. And God is love. That's what we're told. And we're told that he created all things. That he's that powerful. That he just speaks. And stars are hung in their place. And mountains are formed. And breath comes in and gives life to humankind. He's that able. That's what we read and that's what we're told. And those truths combined um, with friends whose minds don't work anymore, uh, combined with the Rwandan genocide and rampant uh, divorce and an estimated 24.9 people that were human trafficked last year alone globally. Um, doesn't that all just torpedo any kind of faith? Any kind of Christian faith with just unbelievable, untold suffering. 
Um, I mean, it's the weirdest thing for me to show up to seminary after years of regularly reading the Bible and truly loving studying God and his ways to find that my very first semester there was really, truly one of the harder times for my spiritual life. Um, and doesn't it all just tear down your faith? Um, does it give you good reason to give up on it all? And my guess is that truly, it's one of the main reasons why your friends who don't follow Jesus don't follow Jesus. It's probably one of the reasons why if you were to actually just go around and knock on your neighbor's doors and say, um, what do you think about God? And they say, I don't want to even think about him. This would be one of the reasons. I would guarantee it. Suffering. Following God to so many seems so laughable. So what do you do? What do you do? Um, one option that you can do is you can give up on God. Just give up on the whole God thing. Uh, you know, like I mentioned maybe a month ago, move from Descartes, I think, therefore I am, to Nietzsche's God's dead. Um, you probably know Stephen Hawking. Uh, he thinks our brains are just computers. This is what he says. And uh, there's, there's no afterlife for computers. Computers don't come back to life when they're dead. You throw them away and get rid of them. God and resurrection and all that, he said, is a fairy tale for people afraid of the dark. Do we just say that God not only is dead, but that he never was, he never existed? So it's sort of a secular humanist approach to the best way of understanding the world. The world exists as it is without the divine. The world exists and, and that's all. No creator, no sustainer, no redeemer, none of that. Just the world. Well, first you have to acknowledge that even if you take that approach, it doesn't mean that suffering goes away. It's still here. It's still the world we live in. Um, you probably know this other famous atheist, Richard Dawkins. He said this, there's no design. Actually, this is sort of a mantra that he would say. No design, no purpose, no evil, no good. Where does that leave you? What do you do if you give up on God in sort of a secular humanist way? No design. No purpose. There's no good. There's no evil. Well, then why do you get to lament? Why throw a fuss at all of all this suffering? It just is. Why care at all if you lose your child in utero? If your spouse suffers for years and years, as one of my dear friend's father did, with Alzheimer's and lashes out in anger and violence towards his wife, so much so that after 35 years of marriage, she moves out for her own safety. There's no design and no purpose and no evil and no good anyway. 
If any sympathy we may have for the suffering of others, it's, it's really just a byproduct of sort of the evolutionary pro, uh, process of keeping your own alive. Then why bother with anyone who's outside of your tribe? However big or however small you want to make that tribe to be. Which is also to say, why lament racism at all? In fact, why not practice it? What do you do when you give up on God? Um, do you just take what's there to be taken when you can? I mean, if the world has so much suffering, just take the pleasure you can get when you can get it. Enjoy whatever semblance of joy you can have in this life. Party, eat, drink, be merry. Tomorrow or the next day or maybe next year or next decade, you're just going to die. And you're not going to have anybody to give an account to. Anyone who's going to care. Okay, so here's the thing. With all the suffering in the world, what you can do and what you will be tempted to do, as I promise you I've been tempted to do, is say, give it up. I don't think you can do that. So let's think of another option. Let's think of another option. Why don't we think about this? I mean, the Bible tells us God is love and that God creates all things. He's all powerful. He just speaks and the world comes into being. Let's just go with a different religion that doesn't at least say that kind of stuff so explicitly. Maybe let's give up on sort of the monotheism, you know? I mean, Islam does not give a better answer. God's just so distant there. What about Buddhism? That's where a lot of people run. Maybe we should go there. You, you probably know the Buddha's story. Uh, he was a young prince. Um, and there was a prophecy that said uh, he would give up on the kingdom and leave the palace, turn his back on all of it. And so his father does everything he can to keep his son, to keep his son happy and close. He marries a beautiful princess. He's given a harem. He's prevented from leaving the palace, his father goes to such uh, lengths that he prohibits any of the old people who are close to death or the uh, disabled people or the sick people with illness from being out in streets so that his son won't have to come to terms with those kinds of things. Um, you have to stay at home. But then an old man is out on the street. And this prince comes upon him and discovers that everyone ages. And then, and then a sick man is out in the street. And the prince comes upon him and finds out, man, every, illness is rampant. And diseases. And then, of course, the third day, the prince comes upon a corpse and discovers that everyone's dying. Everyone's going to die. And so you probably know he fulfills the prophecy, right? He leaves and he goes off into the forest and he pursues enlightenment. And he comes back. And what does he say? 
All of life is just suffering. All of life is suffering. And so to escape the suffering, break your ties of attachment in this life. Detach. Get away from it. And I know that's a temptation we all have to. Just don't give your heart away to anything. Detach from other people and pleasures and desires. Give it up. Um, Jonathan Hyatt, the Jewish psychologist that I'm sure many of you know, he, he asks this. What if the Buddha would have actually talked with the aged, with the disabled, with the sick? He says what he would have found is that each one of those people, even in their old age and even in their disability and their illness, lead incredible meaning, incredibly meaningful lives. And that maybe the key to facing suffering is not detachment, but maybe the key to facing suffering is love. Um, friends, that's actually the reason, and I didn't have Jonathan Hyatt to help me with this, but that's the reason why a few months into my beginning of seminary at Covenant Seminary in St. Louis, I began to see the Christian message as not something that I wanted to run away from in the midst of it, but that I wanted to run to. That in the midst of this life, with the realities of all of the individual suffering we experience and global suffering, it's not something to run away from, but what to run to. Because Christianity is alone in saying that there is one God who exists in love. And he is love. And he shows that love not by detachment, but by complete attachment. Not by running away from, but by pursuit and running towards Christianity alone has God as the great sufferer alongside this world, in this world. Christianity cannot lead you to say that suffering doesn't matter, that it can be brushed off. If the Bible gives us any answering to the why of suffering, and I actually don't think it completely answers that at all in a way that seems necessarily satisfying... But it attaches it to the rebellion against God, a running away from him. And it attaches the healing of suffering as not us running back to him, but him running after us to this place of suffering. That's what Christianity proclaims. Christianity cannot lead you to a place of detachment from this world, a giving up of it, a running away from it, but a running towards it. Because that's what God himself does. And entering into the life of the aged man and the disabled and the sick. Not a running to the forest. And Good Friday is at the heart of all of it. It is. Probably the greatest question that you will struggle with in this life is most, in my experience and the experience of countless others, is most 
is, is, is answered in a most satisfactory way, though not entire, com entirely completely, by Good Friday alone. And that is that Jesus suffers right in this world. God himself comes into this world and suffers and suffers and suffers. When Christ comes and takes on flesh, he experiences every kind of suffering. I mean, we've even heard some of them in the short time we've been together tonight. Um, think he's betrayed by one of his dearest friends who spent three years with him. All of his friends abandon him. One of his best friends denies him three times. So socially, he's just totally alone. He has a mock trial where he's actually declared innocent multiple times. Actually, we heard one of them by a soldier. And yet, he receives a criminal's death. He's, he's stood up. He's mocked. He's spat upon. Um, you know, there's a crown of thorns pressed down upon his head. He's paraded through town. People jeering at him. He's having to carry for a while his own cross. Though he's declared innocent, he's hung to die with the guilty. And he's given one of the most horrific deaths that we know has ever happened in human history. I mean, literally, the cross existed as a way of the Romans telling everybody else, this is what happens to those who go against us. He'd be put up outside of the city, just as Jesus was, on a road leading out and to for people to say, this could be your fate if you go against us. Jesus entered into every kind of suffering. God himself in the flesh did so. And what you get from the Gospels, if you read them, is a very clear picture that Jesus was entirely able to come down on, off that cross. He was entirely able to stop those soldiers from arresting him in the garden. He was entirely able to stand up to the chief priests and the elders, to Pilate, to all the rest. And yet he does so willingly. This is the Christian message. That our Lord actually willingly goes to the place of horrific suffering. There is no other religion you will find that will say that. That God willingly goes to the places that we run from. And it is only because of that that we have any, any hope in a world that is so full of reasons for despair. This is Good Friday. God, not detached. God who is love who runs towards the needy. God who is love who comes to the place of suffering. And because of this, you know, he laments it all just like you do. He validates all of your sadness and all of your sorrow. He doesn't look upon any of your tears and, and laugh at them. When you cry in the midst of your own suffering, God, why have you forsaken me? 
Jesus says, I was right there with you. Um, we're here tonight to focus our attention on the cross. I think it is important, and I want you to listen to me in this, um, to say that I actually don't really think that the Bible always gives us all the answers we want. Um, when we come face to face with suffering ourselves or simply acknowledge how deep it is in the world, I don't think the Bible gives us all the answers we want. Questions sometimes still remain. But there's no other place. There is no other religion. There's no other God who enters into it like this. There is no other good news like this. God willingly goes to the place of suffering. And so I want you to remember, please remember this. When you find your place in, yourself in despair, when you find yourself in the midst of the deepest sorrow you've ever experienced, please, please have a cross right in front of you. And please focus on this reality that Jesus hung there when he didn't have to. He could have come down, but he stayed there and he died. That is God's answer to the suffering of the world. Thank you for listening to Second City Sermons Podcast. We hope this sermon has encouraged you to worship God and to celebrate the gospel of Jesus. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and joining us in person each Sunday at 10 a.m. You can find us online at secondcitychurch.org and on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. God bless.